And so if you're new to One Heart Church, so we're just so glad you came to church today. We, we just, our desire is that you meet God, that you, you, you love church and you want to come back. But if you've never met, I'm Josh and I'm the youth pastor here at church. So good to meet you. So there we go. So if you, grab a, if you have a Bible, I encourage you to bring a Bible to church. That's really cool. Um, and go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 20, verse 14. There's a book of Proverbs, chapter 20, verses 14. And just for, for your sake, I'll be reading all my Bible verses from the New Living Translation. If you don't like it, well, that's what we're reading. Um, unless I state otherwise, it'll be from the New Living Translation. So last week was Double Church Sunday. That's my favorite week. Who loves the third Sunday of the month? Double Church Sunday. Why not? Ha- why have church once we can have it twice? Get around it. So in the uh, in the PM, Pastor Pauline preached. Everyone remember that? Great. And then in the um, the did I say PM or AM? PM. Good. Because then in the AM, Pastor Rob preached. And if you were got your notebook, you'd probably know this that he preached on supernatural names. Do I have an agreement in this place? Yes. Good. So then, um, and he, he looked at the book of Revelation, chapter 217, and God says, I will give a white stone with a new name written on it. And so what he's saying is that in heaven, we are given a new name. And so what happens is that God um, calls us to step into something new, but then when that happens, we can't hold on to our old life. When God gives us a new name, we've got to let go of what our old life is. And so then he shared a bit about Abraham and Sarah, who used to be Abraham and Sarai. And so what, what happens is Abraham and Sarah, in a sense, were their names written in heaven, but they brought it down on earth. And so there's a new name for you. There's a new life for you, but we, got to, we don't have to wait to heaven to have the, 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 the thing that God calls us into. We can bring that down and have it on earth today. And so, but then what Pastor Rob was saying is that you've got to let the old you die. You've got to stop bringing it back to life with CPR. You've got to, you've got to get that defibrillator and chuck it away. When God calls you into something new, into a new life, we've got to get it rid of the defibrillator, stop resurrecting the dead you, and live the new life God has for you. Amen? And so today, I want to talk about Supernatural Part 2. And we're going to title it Supernatural Identity. So that's what we're looking at today, your supernatural identity. So if you've got that Proverbs 20, chapter, uh, chapter 20, verse 14, it says this. The buyer haggles over the price, saying, it is worthless, then brags about getting a bargain. Let's pray, hey? Holy Spirit, we just don't want to uh, waste a Sunday morning doing nothing. But God, we want an encounter with you. We thank you that your word, your Bible has truth that can help us live a life set apart, to live good, to live great. And we just thank you, God, that you can speak to us so clearly. And we all said, amen. So I'm going to read it again. Proverbs 20, 14. The buyer haggles over the price saying it is worthless then brags about getting a bargain. Who's got Facebook in this building? Who's heard of a little thing called Portlink and buy, stop and sell? All right, it's okay. I'm personally not on it, but I know it exists. And so that, that proverb is, has wisdom for you. If you're on Portlink and buy, stop and sell, this proverb has wisdom for you. Uh, I don't know if anyone watches TV and heard of the TV shows Hardcore Porn or um, uh, Porn Stars. Now that's P-A-W-N. Porn. So obviously the titles are a bit of a clickbait title. But, and then we watch these shows and they say, are you looking, at, are you looking to sell it or pawn it? And when you sell it, and then you have your, your drink bottle, what do, what do you want? And, and then they start haggling over the price. 
Jimmy wants to get $50. I'm like, I'll give you 10 And then they, you know, the haggle begins, right? Anyone got agreement? You know what haggling is? Great. So the purpose of haggling is to get more for less. So you want to get more to, for less money. That's the purpose of the haggling. And so there's some good practical wisdom in that Proverbs. And so there's two main points we can draw in a natural sense from what we just read. The first one is, when you're selling something, no one wants a haggler ripping you off. Can I get an amen? amen. You've got to get some discernment and hold your ground. I didn't come down in the last shower. You're a wheeler and dealer. No one wants a wheeler and dealer ripping you off. You're going to say, no, I know what this is valued and you're not ripping me off. Number two, are you the wheeler and dealer? Are you manipulating and robbing others? Uh, and then bragging about it, celebrating the misfortune of others. They're the two things on a natural sense we learn from what we just read. But I believe there's a supernatural uh, or, or a spiritual concept to this proverb. And this is what I believe it is. So I believe the haggler is a picture of the enemy. And now we can call the enemy Satan. We call the enemy the devil. Whatever we want to call him, I believe the haggler is a picture of the enemy in our lives. And so 1 Peter 5, 8 says this, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So the enemy, the haggler, is on the lookout for a bargain, right? And so now here's the thing. My mum is a bargain shopper. You, 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 you take a, you could say to Pastor Pauline, Hey, Pastor Pauline, take me out shopping. Um, she will show you how to find a bargain. She knows where anything that's got a discounted price on sale, she finds, you look in our cupboards, you'll find it discounted, price reduced. She knows where to look at, find a bargain. She'll be in the, I'm in the supermarket going, oh, cool chocolate. She's like this. And then trolley full of food for half price. It's like, how she does it? But she's on the look for a bargain. And in a similar way, the enemy, the devourer, is looking for a bargain in humanity. He's looking for someone that, that, that could be haggled, right? That's what we've got to understand. Oh, man. So... Yeah, my mum's diligent in finding a bargain. The enemy is diligent in finding a bargain. The question is, are you a bargain? Another way, another way of saying it, do you sell yourself cheap? Oh, there it is. One of the most heartbreaking things to see in church life is people selling themselves cheap. We can't, we can't afford to do it. Back in March, we focused on supernatural warfare. Go on the podcast and you'll check it out. And I started off that series and I preached on a conviction in my life about removing the language, not too bad. That I, ha- I got convicted early in the year about that language in my life. And so in John 10.10 10, in the Amplified Version, it says like this, The thief comes only in order to steal uh, and kill and destroy. I, being Jesus, came that they may have, life, uh, have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. And I believe that John 10.10 10 is, is the perfect battlegrounds for the supernatural battles in our life. So the first thing is the enemy wants to wreck your life. And the second point is Jesus gives us the best life. And so who do we choose to align ourselves with? The life that's wrecked or not too bad or the, the best life, the life to the full that Jesus wants to give us. And so I made a decision to stop using the bad scale. Oh yeah, my life's not too bad. No, no, I've got to measure my life in the good scale. And so I was aligning myself with the enemy, and I, but I belong in the good life with Jesus, and my speech should reflect it. Do we have an agreement here? Does people believe that? They, yeah, come on, give some praise. And so we are in a spiritual battle. The haggler is on the hunt for a bargain, someone he can devour. And so some of the labels that the haggler wants to put on you is addicted, violent, angry, single, 
abusive, ugly, broken, damaged, unqualified, weak. You will never change. You're too far gone. Don't believe you can make a difference. And we can, we could, the list could, we could go on for years. The enemy haggles these lies over your life. When you think, oh, I've got a plan, the, the enemy wants to haggle that thing into you and go, you know what? No, we're going we're gonna to chip you down. We're going we're gonna to take you down a peg. But we need to stop accepting his devaluing manipulation. Yeah. And so in the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Why? To be a witness. And so our aim as a Christian, not for a pastor, not for a music member, no, as a Christian, our aim is to receive the power from the Holy Spirit to be a witness in our community. And so the enemy wants to devour your value and say, you know what, Jimmy, you can't be a witness. Mark, you don't need the Holy Spirit. You can't be a witness. But we're going to say, no, Hagler, get out of my life. I will receive power from the Holy Spirit to be a witness wherever I walk. Wherever I tread, I'm a witness for God, and I'm not going to agree with your stupid minute haggling. All right. So if, because then, yeah, because when we, when we uh, listen to that haggle's voice and stop witnessing, the enemy loves it. He loves an unfruitful Christian. He, he gets around it. He loves a Christian living on empty. The enemy will, will start bragging. Hey, hell, demons. However, I don't know how he talks about it, but he'll be like, we got another one, bargain, cheap as chips. And that, that's honestly what the enemy does. He's on, a, on the hunt for a bargain, and he starts bragging about it. But newsflash devil, truth bomb, I'm not a bargain. Better yet, I'm not even for sale. 1 Peter chapter 1, 18 to 19. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere silver or gold, or I said it the wrong way around, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. 1 Corinthians 7.23 God paid a higher price for you, so don't be enslaved by the world. 1 Corinthians 6.20 For God bought you with a higher price, so you must honour God with your body. We've got to understand that the haggler can't purchase you. We've got to understand when we come into agreement with Jesus that his death on the cross gave was the ultimate purchase that can ne- nothing ever can devalue you ever again. And so Jesus paid for you in full. We've got to understand that. Someone in this building has got to understand that God, my identity is based upon the, the sacrifice that Jesus made for me, not the haggler's voice all around me. I've got a confession I want you to repeat after me, all right? I am not for sale. I am not a bargain. I can't be haggled. And you've got to understand that. You got to, If you want to have a supernatural identity, you've got to be, that should be at your often confession. I am not for sale. I'm not a bargain. I cannot be haggled. Devil, get out of here. Um, earlier in the year, thank you, Cameron. I received that. <laughs> earlier in the year, we had a guest uh, ministry. Tom Rawls come to church and he was selling some books called Unseen. Did anyone get given an Unseen book? And so um, I read it. It was great. I read a book. Good job, Josh. And so <laughs> he had this quote I want to read to you. And he, he, he was saying that he learned a lesson earlier in life and it said this, It's not what others call me, it's what I answer to. It's not what others call me, it's what I answer to. The enemy, the aggler, uh, sorry, the enemy can haggle all he wants. But my value, my supernatural identity isn't from him, but God. The enemy, you can call me whatever you want. You can try and devalue me however you want. But I answer to the identity given to me by God. 
And then this week, I'll listen to about approximately probably six podcasts a day, like preaching and that, and uh, work. And so there's a there's a famous preacher, you might not have heard of him, Jansen Franklin. And he said, I heard him say this this week, your God is only as big as a thing it takes to discourage you. And so if you're agreeing with a haggler, you need a bigger God. You've got you to change the perspective that God has for you in your life, right? So if you go to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17, we're going to set that up to understand a little bit more about this haggler and how we can get him out of our life. So a bit of context. So you go to chapter, uh, the book of 1 Samuel chapter, chapter 17. So there's a bit of context, right? We've got two, two nations, two armies, right? So on this side, we've got the Philistines. Picture that, Philistines here. Over this side, we've got the Israelites. These are the good guys. Enemy Philistines, good guy Israelites. So then in the center, we have a valley, right? A valley. So what does that mean? There's going to be a mountain on this side and a mountain on that side. Two mountains and a valley. So the Israelites have got their army, a valley between them. To the Israelites, the good guys, and then back to the good guys. On the other mountain, valley, bad guys. All right, half the context is there. Does that make sense? Okay, have I said everything I need to? Yeah, great. So let's read now. Chapter 17, verses 8 to 11. 1 Samuel, chapter 17, verses 8 to 11, says this. Goliath, a Philistine, stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight? That's what he said. He called, I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servant of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we'll be your slaves. Remember this. If he kills me, then we'll be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Woo, shaken. So, some more context. Then in the Israelites, there's a, a, a family with three, or there's a few brothers in the Israelite army. And then those brothers have a dad called Jesse, and, a, and they have a younger brother called David. And so Jesse says to David, yo, David, here, see this cheesy pizza? Deliver this to your bros at the army. So David goes radio, gets his cheesy pizza, delivers it to his brothers, starts having a yarn, and then David hears this. Oh, sorry, music team, there's one more. I reckon just pause. Has it, has it been that long already? Sorry, wrong. Next, the next Samuel. <laughs> Where was that? Oh, yeah, so David has got the cheesy pizzas and he's delivered it to his brothers. They're having a yarn and then this is what they, this is what happened. So verses 23, as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Israelite ranks. Then David heard him shouting his usual taunt to the army of Israel. And so then, David understands his supernatural identity and commits to being the one who takes action. So then we see then David goes to a river, rushing river, finds some stones, collects them, puts them in his little shepherd bag thingy. And then what? He, so then he sees um, Goliath, he sees a big giant, tall giant Goliath and goes, fee far fo fum what beanstalk did you fall from? Grabs out his, uh... now I was doing this at home, this is not archery, it's a modern slingshot. Boom, got it. And then obviously he gets the stone, hits Goliath in the forehead. Down comes Goliath. Verses 50 to 51. 
So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. Pretty graphic. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they raised their white flags and surrendered. The Philistines admitted defeat, saying amongst themselves, we made a promise, throw down your weapons and don't resist arrest. Oops, that's not what it said, sorry. It said, when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they turned and ran. Catcher! So why did the Philistines run? Goliath said, choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we'll be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. Answer, he's a liar, right? The Philistines are a picture of the enemy and a haggler. They are liars. Don't make promises with the devil. Don't make promises with the haggler. Don't come into agreement with a lie, right? Oh, but we, we can make this agreement, but at the end of the day, it's a lie. It's a false promise. Got to get rid of it, right? Okay. Don't make, argue, yeah, don't make agreements with the haggler when it comes to your identity. Now, music team, you can join me. Thank you. Sorry about that. <laughs> All right. We're going to go back a few chapters to 1 Samuel 13, and it says this. Israelites, Israel, Israel sorry, military disadvantage. Israel's military disadvantage. So in the, in the land where Israel is living, the Philistines are from a far away, like they come by boat and settle in the same land. But when the Philistines come, they've got a, a technology advantage. So the Israelites are, uh, it's just like with, with farming, you go from using um, hand tools to then you have motors and engines. It's a, it's a revolution. Back in the time with Israel and the Philistines here, the Philistines move into the country with technology the Israelites had not yet had, right? And so this is what we read. So verse 19, there were no blacksmiths in the land of Israel in those days. The Philistines wouldn't allow them for fear they would make swords and spears for the Hebrews, being the Israelites. So whenever the Israelites needed to sharpen their plowshares, picks, axes, or sickles, they had, uh, they had to take them to a Philistine blacksmith. The charges were as follows. A quarter of an ounce of silver for sharpening a plowshare or a pick and, and an eighth of an ounce for sharpening an, uh, an axe or making the point of an ox goad. So on the day of the battle, none of the people of Israel had a sword or spear except for Saul and Jonathan. The Philistine, the enemy, had the monopoly on the weapon manufacturing. The Philistines kept the advantage in their control. Here's a story for you. Right, right. So my family kind or my dad's side originates in Melbourne. So Easter's Christmas, we often have these sort of like a pilgrimage to and have these family get-togethers. And so one, one, one of these, these occasions, um, dad, they have this study, which is kind of like this underground room with just junk in it. It used to be a study but it became a junk storage thing. And so the uncles, so my uncles were uh, were clearing it out, getting rid of the rubbish, and my nana's house could be a bit more tidy. So then they, dad finds his old stickers in this study, and he shows me one, and he goes, and he um, uh, has a bit of a joke and sticks one on the back of his brother's tray. And so then his brother goes for a bit of a cruise, and then when he comes back, he goes, why did I get pulled over by the cops, Rob? 
how did your sticker get on the back of my car? And this is what the sticker said. There's no such thing and never will be as a disarm-free society. And so the cop thought he was a crazy man harboring weapons in his car. And so it's pretty funny how society can change because dad had that as a 20-year-old. No one gives a rip. Now, like a few decades later, people are thinking you're a crazy man. So the Philistines understood that concept. They understood there's no such thing and never will be as a disarmed free society. And so um, the enemy controlled the weapon manufacturing. And it's the same for us. Our enemy, um, if our enemy wants to control our weapon production, and because they understand if we can't uh, produce our own weapons, well, we won't be able to have our own freedom. But God says, no, there's a freedom for you, right? And so, uh, and then so a blacksmith forges weapons. A spiritual blacksmith forges supernatural weapons. These weapons create, form, shape your spiritual identity. Your supernatural identity is formed by your supernatural weapon. No blacksmith, no supernatural identity. The enemy, the haggler, wants to keep the advantage and keep the control of your identity. It said in verse 22, So on the day of battle, none of the people of Israel had a sword or spear. When the day of battle comes, does a haggler have the advantage over your identity? Mm. John 10.10, we've realised we are in a supernatural battle daily. So every day, do we have the advantage or does a haggler have the advantage over your life, over your identity, right? It's time that it's time the church stop playing church and being ignorant of the haggler. It's time the church rise up, be blacksmiths forging supernatural weapons. The enemy doesn't want the church trained and equipped for warfare and ready to put him back in their place. And so on the day of battle, do you have a sword and spear? I, I believe there's two real easy uh, ways that and God has already forged you weapons to use, I believe. And there's two really easy, simple things that we can use to, to keep our supernatural identity. We just need to equip them. The first one, we look at the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verses 12. For the Word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the uh, sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. This Bible, the Word of God, is what help is a weapon that we encourage you to read the Bible daily. Why? Because it's sharpening yourself to go, you know what? The haggler's telling me I'm useless today. The haggler's, but I read this. No, no, I am the righteousness of God. The, the, the enemy comes at you. You're a failure. You, you, you keep making mistakes. I read the Word of God. It says, though the righteous fall seven times, they get back up again. I made a mistake. I'm not a mistake. I was preaching at youth the other week, as the youth pastor usually does. And we're looking at, I was saying, I was preaching about, um, we want to see our city saved. Have you seen the stuff about the Macca's violence and all that? And I was saying to our youth ministry, the the, the government's not the answer for the violence in our our city. The the police, we don't need more police marches. We need a revival and a touch of God in our city. And so the enemy, the haggler wants to say, people, they're too far gone to meet Jesus. There's no way that that violence can be shifted. But my Bible says where sin abounds, grace more so abounds. And so the, the haggler wants to confess stuff over your life. You've got to go, no, I got a weapon, haggler. I am not selling myself that cheap. 
Where, yeah, there may be sin in my life, but grace more so abounds to meet me and save me. Amen. So I want to encourage you if, you, if you don't have a daily habit of reading the Bible, before you leave, go on the foyer, grab a word for today and start reading that every day. Start putting the promises of God in your life because it's the ability to help you stand in the day of battle. Point two, Romans 8, 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. So we call this in the Pentecostal circle as our heavenly language or speaking in tongues. The haggler looks for a bargain. He's looking for a weakness in your life. But this groaning, speaking in tongues, is the Holy Spirit building us back up. So when, if you have a healthy uh, uh, heavenly language in your life, so sit care to their bed, when I make that commitment each day to speak in tongues, I'm building myself up in a spiritual level to say, devil, you don't have control of my mind. Devil, haggler voice, you do not belong here. Here's, a, here's one for you. If we go to China, right? So if we go to China, people are speaking another language. They're speaking orange. Mandarin, orange, that's all right, I got gotcha. But But if I go to China, people are communicating quite fine and they can understand each other. Me, in the natural, I can't understand what they're saying. Just like if they were to come to Australia, if they don't know English, we, we're chatting right now, but they're like, what's going on there? There's a language going on. Now, just because my natural earthly body doesn't understand it doesn't mean there's not communication. And in a similar way, it's the same with the, the, the language of heaven. My carnal, this tent I'm living in doesn't understand what I'm saying. But the spirit man inside me fully understands what's being communicated. That's why it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 2 and 4, For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You'll be speaking by the power of the Holy of the Spirit, um, but it will be mysterious. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. So a powerful weapon against the voice of the haggler is having a heavenly prayer language. If you are in the Word, using your heavenly language, you're building your supernatural identity, killing the old you. And so One Heart Church, I think it's a time that we say, you know what, sin nature, gone. Sin identity, gone. We're stepping into what you have for us and we're not going to agree with what the haggler wants to devalue us at. We're not a bargain. We're not selling ourselves cheap. We have a great identity and we're going to see a shift in Port Lincoln or wherever we live because God, you're with us. Amen. So we're going to pray. Is that cool? Why don't you just stand to your feet right now? There's people in this room or listening to my voice via other media. And you'd say to yourself right now, you know what, there's areas in my life where I've come to agreement with the haggler. I've come, I've sold, I have sold myself short. I've put myself in a position where I go, you know what? Yeah, I can't do anything. I'm just a rotten sinner. Whatever the lies are, oh, this could never change. This could never shift. Right now, we're gonna just, we're gonna believe and, and pray that we can see a shift in your life where you go, you know what? No, I have a supernatural identity. I have a, a, a shift in my life to see God move in me. And so when it comes, so if, if that's you in this moment, as we sing, I want you to come down the front and say, God, I, I, I commit today to uh, seeing myself in, a light, in the light that you see me. I don't agree that those lies of the haggler, they're gone, they're banished. 
and then they will pray for you. Is that cool? So we're going to start singing. And if that's you, why don't you come down the front and say, God, today I make a stand to reject the haggler's voice over my life.